Welcome to Tucson New Thought. I love that song. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> and I love singing it. It's just like, it just feels good. Um, I was working uh, yesterday. You know, I, I go on a trip to Canada, and we drive, and I think I'm going to have a little time there. I had no time to do anything. I don't know if you noticed that, like, none of the emails that normally go out during the week, pretty much none of them came out while I was away. Uh, and that's just because we were busy the whole time. Uh, having too much fun. And then so I got ba- we got back on Tuesday night, and Wednesday, I thought, oh, Wednesday, prepare for meditation, get the space set for meditation. Wednesday, meditation was a beautiful, like a meditation I think is always beautiful. Had a great meditation on Wednesday night. And then I, Thursday, come in, Friday, come in, Saturday, come in, because I hadn't prepared any of the tracks for any of the music. So I've been working on that. Plus, we have a leadership council meeting today, which uh, I had to prepare for. So it was just a lot in those days that uh, I was getting ready for. And uh, I was in the middle of the day yesterday thinking, how am I going to track this song? Because I knew I wanted to sing the song, but I had no track for it. And I prepare a lot of the tracks. Like I sit down and I put music into, I, I, I create a lot of the tracks that, we, that I sing to, that we sing to. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe Apple Music or iTunes has a karaoke track for this song, but they didn't. Um, So I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Well, gratefully, there's this karaoke website, and they had the song. So I was able to at least save a little time that way. I don't know why I felt I had to tell you that. (laughs) Just It's good information. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good because we have this track now, and I can sing it whenever I want. <laughs> so this month's theme, the theme of the month is open-hearted freedom. Open-hearted freedom. Breathe that in. Open-hearted freedom. And then I will ask the question, what does that mean? What does it mean, open-hearted freedom? I just then this is I'm, I'm intending for this question. Sometimes I ask questions and I ask for an actual response. This is a rhetorical question. I would love for you to just consider for yourself what does that mean to you? What does it mean to live a life of open hearted freedom? Okay, accepting where you are at any given moment. <laughs> I can hear him William saying, It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> But if you felt compelled to answer, I'm open to that. I'm pretty easygoing as that goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's where I want to start. I want to start with this very concept. Freedom is our birthright. Freedom is our birthright. And I say yes, amen. Here's how we address and, and utilize freedom sometimes. Fear is often our response to freedom. We live lives of fear because we are first free. Opening our hearts to an inherent truth that freedom is our birthright, that inherent truth allows our experience to be free, but we often react to it in fear. And so we live lives based on fear. 
Well, I'm going to encourage you today to let that fear go. Let the fear go. You know, there's a, okay, there's a song we're going to be closing the service with today. And if you look in the program, you'll say, oh, I know that song. It's a nice song from the 1870s. Right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But we're going to do it in a completely different way. We're going to allow ourselves to live open-hearted freedom in a way that lets go of the fear of looking silly. Because I'll tell you, Karimon saw me do this earlier, and I thought, oh, am I going to look silly? Well, maybe I will, but who cares? To be free means to let go of the fear of looking silly, of acting in a way that society may not accept. Because society's judgments of us have absolutely no bearing on how we should live our lives. The seed of freedom, Ernest Holmes writes, must be planted in the innermost being of each person. But like the prodigal son, man must make the great discovery for himself or herself, man or woman. It's, you know, gendered language from a text from almost 100 years ago. Freedom must be planted in our innermost being. That is not, that doesn't mean that we have to take freedom and like go, okay, I'm going to impress freedom upon this law, this infinite law of cause and effect. No, it's saying, let us awaken to the knowledge that freedom is our birthright and let that plant simply bloom. We do that by making the discovery ourselves that we are free, inherently free. I've always been struck by a lyric in the song because I always thought, well, what does that mean? And, and, and I think that, that, the, that the songwriters are probably speaking specifically to an experience in their own lives. And the, the, the song lyric is this one. Janie sings on a corner. What keeps her from dying? Janie sings on a corner. What keeps her from dying? I don't know who Janie is, but I sing the lyric as written. I don't understand what her circumstances are. What keeps her from dying? I don't know, but I sing the lyric as it is. And that lyric has, in the past, caught me off guard. But here's what I think is the underlying message of that lyric in relationship to freedom, is that lyric is speaking to resiliency. It is speaking to resiliency. The object of the lyric, Janie, is resilient. And resiliency is infinite freedom. Knowing that no matter what our circumstances may be right in this moment, whether we call them good, whether we call them bad, there is always something more. There is always that next thing. There is always tomorrow... And it is our mind in this very moment, our mind right here and right now, that sets the tone for what tomorrow will be. But we must do the work now and not procrastinate and put it off. Each and every one of us is Janie. We have that resiliency at our core. There is a corner to be turned. There is a corner to be turned. And I'll tell you what, I don't care how good your life is, I think it can be better. Because my life is pretty darn good, but I think it can be better. And that's why I commit myself to the practice of open-hearted freedom. That is why I commit myself to the spiritual path. 
so that life gets better and better and better. I'm grateful to the message that has started to seep into the culture of spiritual practice and spirituality and new thought centers and unity churches and religious science churches and divine science churches and anyone who's on a path of deeper understanding that each and every one of us are mystics. The message that has been revealing itself a great deal, I think, lately is this idea. We are not people who put our head, heads in the sand. We are people who know and trust in faith that there is always something more, that there is a better tomorrow. We are, this is not to say that we are in denial of the relative facts of life. I'm not in denial that there are times when I look at my checking account and it is lower than I would like it to be. I am not in denial that I occasionally experience illness or what I will say is a party for microorganisms in my physical body. <laughs> I will not say that there are not times when I don't experience conflict in relationships. I will not say that there are not times ever that I don't feel stuck in my creative expression. But those are just circumstances, and I know a deeper truth. And it is through the knowing of that deeper truth that those circumstances lift up and create something new. So we are not in denial of the relative facts of life. We are in the business of taking charge of those facts and acting accordingly in a way that transcends the relative facts of life and creates something different. So when we talk about there being something better tomorrow... That is rooted here and now. And we can experience tomorrow right now the more we practice. Because I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. Emma Curtis Hopkins famously said, if, you, if a thought can redden the face, the thought can straighten a bone. It wasn't, if a thought can redden the face, a thought can straighten the bone, but I have to think about it really hard, and I'm going to expect that it happens tomorrow. Right now, right in this moment. We can create tomorrow right now. My spiritual practice provides a context for living my life in the relative experience of life. I changed a lyric in the song. Shocker. I know, I changed lyrics in the first song. I changed, I changed lyrics sometimes to suit my own ego, I don't know, <laughs> but to suit the need for the message that I want to offer. The lyric that I changed, so the lyric as, we, as I sang it today is, in this beautiful life, we sometimes feel sorrow. In this beautiful life, we sometimes feel sorrow. The original lyric is, in this beautiful life, there's always some sorrow. I wanted to change that lyric because I choose not to live in the inevitability that there will be sorrow in my future. I've had enough sorrow. I don't want to live sorrow anymore. Does that mean it's completely eliminated? Yes. Ah. That has to be the context. That has to be the frame of mind with which I move forward to say, I choose not to live sorrow anymore in my life. Because if I entertain the slightest notion that sorrow is a possibility, I guarantee you where my thought goes, my life flows. 
that's what will be created. I was approached by someone at the wedding last weekend. So I was in Canada for a wedding, uh, some friends of ours, a good friend of my husband's. Uh, she and he were in high school together and she was getting married and, um, to a lovely man. And there are people in our Canadian world that know that I'm a New Thought minister. And uh, I was approached by somebody during the wedding reception. And they decided that this was the most appropriate time to come, and come up and talk to me about what's going on for them and the deep experiences of their life that they may need some spiritual guidance around. <laughs> and you know what? I accept it. I am not a minister just on Sundays. I'm a minister 24 hours a day. And here's what uh, came up. Come on in. Hello. This is someone who came up and said, you know what? I've been struggling. I've been struggling. I've been struggling with my sense of self-esteem, with my sense of self-reliance, and with my sense of self-respect. I don't know how to overcome my lack of self-esteem. This is big because I think many people have aspects of this feeling, this, this feeling of lack of self-esteem, self-worth in the world, but they're not willing to voice it or say, I need support in overcoming that sense. And I said, you know what? The way that I have overcome my own self-esteem issues, because I've had them, the way that I move through them and get to the other side of them is to remember who I am. To remember in every moment who I am. That I am the infinite nature of this divine creative energy. I remind myself of this. I am the infinite nature of this divine creative reality. Right here and right now, expressing magnificently. Rooted with this idea in my heart, I can live a life free of lack, free of doubt. When I know who I am, life gets better. So this is what I offered to this person. I said, listen, the only reason that we ever feel a lack of self-esteem is because we've forgotten who we are. We may not contextualize it that way. We may not talk about it that way. But that is the only reason I believe that any of us ever experiences a lack of self-esteem. We simply forget who we are. Well, I'm here to tell you, as I start every single Sunday, you are magnificent. And I think we must begin to start looking in the mirror and saying, I am magnificent, and claiming it for ourselves to such a degree that it cannot be doubted in our own mind. Because again, wherever you have doubt, that is your mind, that is your mind's creation, and your mind creates your life. So wherever you have doubt, you will experience the flow of doubt. Wherever you have a lack of self-esteem, you will experience the results of that lack of self-esteem. But there is no one, and I'll tell you, I cannot do the work for you. You can come here on a Sunday, and I'm so grateful that you do. You can come here on a Sunday and hear the words that I say, but unless you take it to heart, they will do nothing for you. There was a sense of inevitability in that discussion, as if this person was saying, my challenges in living this life with a lack of self-esteem are inevitable. 
That's just, that's, that's the way I was raised. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a family that, that bolstered my, my sense of self-esteem. I grew up in a family that demeaned me. I said, but that's your choice to hold on to that. It's hard for people to hear. It's hard for people to hear that. But at the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. So two things became abundantly clear to me in that conversation. One is, I think we can all understand this intellectually, because I can stand up here and I can speak about it from an intellectual perspective, right? Do we understand intellectually that our self-esteem is our responsibility? It is no one else's responsibility. That's an intellectual understanding. To what degree is there still room for each and every one of us to embody that notion? That's, that's the second part of that conversation. I can explain this till I'm blue in the face, but until that person or we begin to embody this understanding, it's not going to change anything. So, I only believe I am living a challenged life when I'm comparing my experience to everyone else's. I only believe I am living a challenged life when I am comparing my experience to everyone else's. Siri thinks I was talking to it. I'm like, what is my watch doing? I only believe I'm living a challenged life when I'm comparing my experiences to everyone else's. So what is that message? Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Stop thinking that because somebody has more money in the bank that you are that you are valued less in this world. Stop thinking that because somebody has what you perceive to be a better job means that you are valued less in this world. Stop believing that because somebody is perceived to be in a better relationship than you are means that you have less value in the world. Stop it. You ever see that Bob Newhart? <laughs> the Bob Newhart video? Stop it. Here's the other part of that, the, the, the other part of that. I get to change my mind. We all get to change our minds. We all get to change our minds. And doing so must be rooted in the truth of being. When I say there's still room for embodiment, that's what I mean. We can change our minds, but we have to continue the spiritual work so that it becomes so deeply ingrained and rooted in the truth of our being that it can be nothing else but the magnificent experience we are all looking to have. So what is the truth of being? I've already stated it. This time I am going to ask you for an answer. What is the truth of being? Does anyone have any idea what the truth of being is? You are magnificent. Yes. I'm just seeing if anyone was listening. What is the truth of our being? <laughs> he, he, he's a star. I'm a reflection of all that is. You are a reflection of all that is. How about taking it a step further? You are all that is. As Rumi says, you are not a drop in the ocean, you are the entire ocean in a drop. And that's true for each and every one of us, and that is the truth of our being. The truth is we are not separate. Not a single one of us is separate. We are divine. We are infinitely connected. We are a unified wholeness. We just perceive ourselves as separate. A seeming prophet or a seeming mystic 
may be more attuned to this truth, but those, those individuals are not inherently more divine than you or me or anyone else. We are all equally divine. Nirvana, enlightenment, heaven, those things are accessible to all of us, and they are certain to be attained by each and every one of us, but not as something tomorrow, as something right here and right now, because those things are states of mental beingness. Heaven is a state of mind. Nirvana is a state of mind. Enlightenment is a state of mind. That's the truth. Ernest Holmes writes, the divine plan is one of freedom, not bondage. Bondage is not God-ordained. How many of us were brought up with that idea, that bondage is God-ordained? Bondage is not God-ordained. Freedom is the birthright of every living soul. All instinctively feel this. Do you instinctively have an understanding that freedom is your birthright? Good. Good. We're well on our way. The truth, that infinite truth, the truth points to freedom under law. Now, this is where people go, wait, what? So we live in a context of law of cause and effect. So everything that shows up in your life is the effect to some cause. And that cause we teach is entirely in mind. So the truth points to freedom under law. We cannot go against the laws of nature. Somebody, uh, I, I was made aware of another conversation a minister had with somebody uh, where they were being challenged because this minister said, you can have whatever you want. And this person says, I want my son to be alive again. So I can't have whatever I want. And we have to say, you know what, you're right. That is the natural process. That is a natural law that we all experience transitions and her son has had, has had a transition, she's not going to experience her son in the same way, but she can have a relationship with her son in a different way now. But we are all subject to the laws of nature in this plane of action. The inherent nature of all people is forever seeking to express itself in terms of freedom. We do well to listen to this inner voice, for it tells us, tells us of a life wonderful in its scope, a love beyond our fondest dreams of a freedom which the soul craves. Our freedom is living lives of choice. That's what freedom is all about, living lives of choice. And choice is an ordinary part of being. So freedom is ordinary. Freedom is ordinary. Let us take that to heart today. Open-hearted freedom is our birthright. So here's this week's work in four steps. For those of you who have not been here when I have been here, I give work every week, pretty much. You get to decide whether or not you want to engage in the work. But I'm going to encourage you to engage in the work. Here's your homework this week in four parts. Number one, accept yourself. Accept yourself just as you are in this moment. If you are experiencing struggle, do not deny that that is where you are in this moment. Don't beat yourself up for it. Recognize it for what it is, a circumstance which can be changed. Accept yourself. Two, acknowledge who you are. 
You are the infinite divine nature of being, constantly flowing forth and evolving and growing. You are infinite. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Three, define what is good and true for you. Define what is good and true for you. Now, this may require a little active work on your part because let's first start, accept myself. I can accept myself. But you got to keep working at it. I, gotta, I can I accept myself. I know who I am. I accept myself. I know who I am. That's one and two. Number three, define what is true and good for you. This may require a practice like sitting in meditation, sitting in contemplation. Gratefully, we have a meditation practice guided here every single Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. So if you'd like to Make that part of your journey. You can come and join me on Wednesday, and I'll probably be doing a meditation this week on what is true and good for each and every one of us. Take the time to stop and listen. Contemplate. Journal about it. Allow yourself the luxury of contemplation of this very notion of what is true and good for you. And number four is my favorite. Live out loud. Live out loud. Let no one else deny you the truth you find within yourself. Let yourself live with honesty. Don't hide behind judgment. Don't hide behind the fear of being judged. Do not hide behind your judgment of others. Allow yourself to live with abandon freely. Those are the four things. Accept yourself, acknowledge who you are, define what is true and good for you, and live that out loud. Remember that you have the support of a spiritual community. That is what we are here to do, is to support ourselves, to support our friends through this type of work. It's just an ordinary day. This work is just taking it on, saying, this is an ordinary day, and it's all your state of mind. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.